Welcome to Walk Through the Bible, Susan Michaels' 12-month journey through the most exciting book on the planet. It will transform your life one page at a time. Be sure to subscribe for future episodes that will ignite your faith and bring your Bible to life. Now, let's join our host, Susan Michael. Well, hey there and welcome back. This is Walk Through the Bible. We are into week number 34. This week, we're reading in the Daily Bible the dates of August 20 through the 26th, or what will be found on the pages of 1067 through 1091. You are doing such a great job in reading through your Bible with me in a year. And I want to repeat what I just said in the last uh, couple of weeks I understand there's a lot of history here, and there's a lot of prophetic books that we have to work through, and they're all kind of saying the same thing, and it's the same very sad story about the sins of God's people and how that he has to bring judgment onto them. And I know it gets a little tiring almost, so I encourage you to uh, stick with us each week. I bring out some little gems that are just really special and highlights in the midst of this story. And um, and things are going to get better. <laughs> we have a couple of more weeks to go, though, uh, before we're going to see uh, that story change much. Okay, so let's get started. Let's review quickly. Last week, we uh, were in the book of Ezekiel, and we uh, covered the first part of the book of Ezekiel 1 through 24, where we heard about his calling, and then this uh, amazing vision where he was taken to Jerusalem, and he saw the temple, and he saw the glory of the Lord lifting and leaving the temple. Now, um, we're going to read to this week then in the story of um, of Ezekiel about a traumatic thing that happens in his life um, and is somewhat of a turning point in the book of Ezekiel and in the story of Ezekiel. Now, let's see what's going on with our kings and the uh, storyline here in Judah. So we have King Zedekiah. And he, once again, like the other evil kings and their prideful uh, deception, rebels against Babylon. And so Babylon comes in again, just like they did under Jehoiakim. Uh, this time it's 587, and they began the siege of Jerusalem. Now, um, We'll come back to our story later, and I want to move now to the book of Ezekiel and continue the story of Ezekiel. So what is this thing that happens in Ezekiel 24 that is kind of a turning point? And that is that um, God tells Ezekiel, write down this date. In verse number 1, Ezekiel 24, 1 and 2, God says, make note of this date because the siege of Jerusalem has begun. Now, there is no way that Ezekiel could have known that. There's no way that anyone could have run, uh, traveled from Jerusalem back to Babylon and gotten word to Ezekiel on the very date that it was happening. It's impossible. It could only have been done by divine revelation. 
and uh, but God reveals to him that uh, the siege is beginning. And then God shows him a, um, or it's called a parable of the cooking pot. And, um, and this is what he tells Ezekiel to do with this pot that's full of like soup and meat and vegetables and on. He tells him to remove everything out of the pot. And then he says this, then set the empty pot on the coals till it becomes hot and its copper glows so that its impurities may be melted and its deposit burned away. It has frustrated all efforts. Its heavy deposit has not been removed, not even by fire. Now your impurity is lewdness because I tried to cleanse you, but you would not be cleansed from your impurity. You will not be clean again until my wrath against you has subsided. So I want to stop here. Here is a cooking pot. And he says, even the fire has not been able to remove the impurities out of this pot. So empty it, set it on the hot fire, and just let it heat up completely. He is going to burn the impurities out. And then he says that your impurity is lewdness, and I'm going to get rid of it. And then continuing verse 14, I, the Lord, have spoken. The time has come for me to act. I will not hold back. I will not have pity, nor will I relent. You will be judged according to your conduct and your actions, declares the sovereign Lord. So God does not relish punishment. He has done everything that he could to avoid this moment. What did he do? Well, he gave them plenty of time. The kingdom of Judah lasted 335 years, and he continued to raise up prophets to go to them and to tell them where they were sinning and to draw them back to him and invite them to come and to repent to him, prophet after prophet. And then he raises up Josiah, a righteous king, and he reveals to Josiah a book of the ancient law of Moses. And so Josiah gathers all the people. He reads the whole book of Moses to them so that they would understand what's required of them and that because they're not doing it, what God has promised that he will do, and that is to punish their sin. All of this God has done. He revealed his word. He raised up the prophets. He gave them lots of time. He wooed them and wooed them and wooed them to return back to him and they wouldn't. And so he says here through Ezekiel, it's over. The end has come. I must purify my people. And then this is the moment. He turns to Ezekiel and he tells them, I'm going to take from you something that you love and that's very precious to you. Your wife is going to die. Now, we do not know in this story if Ezekiel's wife was ill, if she was dying, uh, if this was expected in any way in the prophet's life. We don't know. All we know is that he says that he came home that night and she died. And God told him, do not mourn. You know, leave on your, your hat and your jacket. It's like, don't go into mourning. And this is the way God was over the loss of his wife 
Jerusalem, the people of Israel, and he's not going to mourn because he warned them and he warned them and he did everything he could to avoid it. And yet they persisted. So he wasn't going to mourn their downfall. And he tells Ezekiel to prophetically act this out before the people and not to mourn over the death of his wife. So the death of his wife coincides with the end of, with the siege of Jerusalem and the end of Jerusalem. And that's why then the book of Ezekiel and the ministry of Ezekiel kind of enters into a new stage after this. And it's going to be a stage then of dealing with the exiles and looking forward uh, into the future. But for today, that will end our, our story with Ezekiel. Uh, with the death of his wife. And um, so then let's look at Jeremiah. What was Jeremiah doing during the siege of Jerusalem? And so he is preaching to King Zedekiah. And very interesting here in Jeremiah 22, God gives Zedekiah the chance to repent. What a forgiving God. And he goes, so he sends Jeremiah to Zedekiah, and um, he gives him the choice to do right so that the kingdom of David would continue, or says, if you do not obey, this palace will become a ruin. So um, Zedekiah gets angry, and what does he do? He places Jeremiah under house arrest. And um, so Zedekiah fails the test. He does not listen to the word of the Lord. He does not repent. He doesn't do anything to change. And so this seals the deal for Zedekiah and that judgment is now going to fall. And then while Jeremiah is in under house arrest, God tells him to buy a piece of property that his relative has that he's the first one with the right to buy it. And once again, this is a prophetic act. And it's to say that once again, one day, we're going to be back living in the land, buying and selling properties, and life is going to return uh, to some sort of normal uh, in the future. And then um, we Jeremiah sees um, a spiritual renewal under uh, the Messiah. And um, in Jeremiah 23, verses 4 through 6, it says that God is going to place shepherds over his people, and they're going to gather them back to the land, and then he's going to raise up a righteous branch of David. So let's read this, uh, starting here in um, verse 4, I believe. And it says, The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch, a king who will reign wisely and do what is just and right in the land. In his days, Judah will be saved and Israel will live in safety. This is the name by which he will be called the Lord, our righteous Savior. Beautiful. And then looking at Jeremiah 33, verses 15 through 17, he mentions this branch of David again. He says, In those days and at that time, 
I will make a righteous branch sprout from David's line. He will do what is just and right in the land. In those days, Judah will be saved and Jerusalem will live in safety. This is the name by which it will be called, the Lord, our righteous Savior. For this is what the Lord says, David will never fail to have a man to sit on the throne of Israel. Now verses 23 through 26. The word of the Lord came to Jeremiah. Have you not noticed that these people are saying, the Lord has rejected the two kingdoms he chose? So they despise my people and no longer regard them as a nation. This is what the Lord says. If I have not made my covenant with day and night and established the laws of heaven and earth, then I will reject the descendants of Jacob and David my servant and will not choose one of his sons to rule over the descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. For I will restore their fortunes and have compassion on them. Let's take a second look at what he just said, because it's interesting. He uses like a double negative here. So I want to change the wording around and put it in the positive here. So this is what the Lord says, that because or just as I have made a covenant with day and night and I have established the laws of heaven and earth, I also will never reject the descendants of Jacob and David, my servant. So just as sure as God's laws of day and night, do you still see day and night outside? Yes. And just as sure as his laws of heaven and earth, do we still have a heaven and an earth? Yes. Then he has not rejected his covenant with his people. And he will have a son of David, to rule over the descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And there we go again. It all goes back to Abraham. God promised Abraham a land and a people with a mission. And that mission is that through that people, God was going to bless all the families of the earth. And the Apostle Paul said that was the first preaching of the gospel. It was speaking about through Christ that God would bring this plan of redemption to all the families of the earth through what he was doing there. And so because of his promises then to David that he would always have a son to sit on the throne, it's an everlasting throne that's a part of the everlasting lineage of the nation that God promised Abraham. God is faithful to his word, and we can count on this, that his promises to the Jewish people are still at play. He has not forsaken them then at the time of Ezekiel, and he has not forsaken them now, because his promises to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and David still remain and are still yea and amen. Now, this takes us then to Jeremiah 31, where he talks about something called a new covenant. I want to take a few minutes to talk about this. This is so important because 
most of the teaching in the church about the new covenant kind of takes it out of its original context. And what Jeremiah was really saying that this covenant was about. So I want us to look at what Jeremiah says about the covenant. We're going to talk about, first of all, who was the covenant with? Because I have actually heard a pastor say that the old covenant was God's covenant with the nation of Israel, and that was done and over with, and done, that's finished. And the new covenant was with cut with the world, and that's the covenant that still remains. Well, that is not what the Bible says, okay? So we've just established uh, right before this in Jeremiah that um, God's promises to the Jewish people it says, do not say that God has forsaken his people or rejected them. It's not true. And then here we talk about this new covenant. So who is, number one, who is this new covenant cut with? And it says in verse 31, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and with the people of Judah. Now, is there's no ambiguity there. Are you confused? Who is the new covenant with? Is it with the world? No, it is with Israel and the people of Judah, just like the Mosaic covenant had been with the people of Israel. So what's this about? Well, this new covenant is a actually a renewal, you could say, of the old covenant. It is a new covenant, but it is in the, a way a renewed old covenant. It's very, very similar. So let's look at this. So why do we need another covenant? Because the weakness of the old covenant was found in the human flesh. We tend to sin. We tend to reject God. And we are the weak point in the old, in the old covenant. So the new covenant corrects that. And it corrects it by bringing in the power of the Holy Spirit. So let's read about this, starting in verse 32. It will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt, because they broke my covenant, though I was a husband to them, declares the Lord. This is the covenant I will make with the people of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will they teach their neighbor or say to one another, Know the Lord, because they're all going to know me. From the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. The New Covenant provides for the forgiveness of the sins of the people. And then instead of giving them the law written on tablets of stone that they have to read and try to obey, through the power of the Holy Spirit, it's going to write the law on their hearts so that they are going to obey because it's going to come out of their hearts as they are led by the Holy Spirit. This is what the new covenant is correcting 
in the Old Testament, in the Old Covenant. The Old Covenant didn't allow for forgiveness of sins, but it allowed, it did have a sacrificial system that allowed for uh, the covering of sins and for the price of sin to be paid. But here, through the New Covenant, the sins are going to be forgiven and the law will be written on their hearts. So, um, how is this new covenant going to happen? Well, Jeremiah doesn't really tell us this, but this is what he says about it. He says, this is what the Lord says. He who appoints the sun to shine by day, who decrees the moon and stars to shine by night, who stirs up the sea so that its waves roar, the Lord Almighty is his name. Only if these decrees vanish from my sight, declares the Lord, will Israel ever cease being a nation before me. This is what the Lord says. Only if the heavens above can be measured and the foundations of the earth below be searched out, will I reject all the descendants of Israel because of all that they have done, declares the Lord. This new covenant is not a rejection of the people of Israel and of the old covenant. It is a better covenant to bring the people into a better relationship with him by forgiving their sins and providing the Holy Spirit in their hearts. So it is to bring them into right relationship with him through the power of the Holy Spirit. Verse 38. The days are coming, declares the Lord, when this city will be rebuilt for me. Verse 40, and all the terraces out to the Kidron Valley on the east will be holy to me. The city will never again be uprooted or demolished. So a part of this vision of the new covenant and of his people being brought into right relationship with him is the reality that at the center of all of this is a restored city of Jerusalem. This is where the throne of David is. This is where the Messiah will sit to rule the earth. This is the heart of it. And so the restoration of the people of Israel in our day and the rebuilding of the city of Jerusalem is so exciting because we see God preparing for the next stage of history. Now, there's a lot for us to learn from this uh, chapter in Jeremiah about the new covenant. Um, when Jesus was doing the Passover Seder with his disciples and he held up the cup, he said, this is the cup of the New Testament. My blood is the blood of the New Testament. Uh, sorry, the new covenant. And um, and so he was letting them know that Jeremiah doesn't say how God's going to do this covenant. But Jesus was letting them know it's through my shed blood on behalf of the sins of the world. That's how this new covenant is going to be cut. And he did it. And then after he had shed his blood, he had cut the covenant. He instructed his Jewish disciples to remain in Jerusalem until the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, which would take place on the uh, festival of Shavuot, which we know as Pentecost, 
And Shavuot was a, um, it was an agricultural harvest celebration, but it was also celebration of the giving of the law on Mount Sinai. So here at that celebration, God pours out his Holy Spirit and he writes his law in the hearts of his followers. That, my friends, is the new covenant cut on behalf of Israel and the Jewish people. But you and I, through Jesus, are now able to tap in to this better covenant with the power of the Holy Spirit in it and to be part of his family and his followers. It has been extended to the world. I agree. And it's through the blood of Jesus. I agree. But let's always remember that Jeremiah's description of the new covenant was originally to the Jewish people, and he said God was going to cut a covenant with the people of Israel and of Judah. Okay, so um, where do we go from here? Well, that's the end of our storyline for this week. Next week, we will uh, see the end of the siege of Jerusalem. Um, and unfortunately, we're going to see it all come to an end for the city of Jerusalem. But until then, we have magnificent prophecies to read through here in Jeremiah and also in Ezekiel. So take your time, walk your way through it, and I'll see you back here next week. And until then, God bless. We hope you have enjoyed this episode of Out of Zion with Susan Michael. Be sure to subscribe to Out of Zion now on Apple Podcasts, cpnshows.com, YouTube, or wherever you like to listen and learn. Out of Zion with Susan Michael is a production of ICEJ USA, all rights reserved.